0: Hey, I'm Michael Durenda and I'm Jake Bennett and welcome to episode 15 of the North Meet South web podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, I feel like we say that every single time, but I'm gonna give a couple of excuses here anyway. Not too long ago, my daughter uh, was admitted to the hospital, which is never a fun time, uh, but she had a liver transplant a couple of years ago, and this is just kind of, part of the journey. Um, so she gets sick every once in a while and has to get admitted to the hospital. And so it's crazy that, so the doctors are like, yeah, she's experiencing mild organ rejection. So like her body is rejecting the organ that she got, right? Which seems insane. It's very scary, but it's actually pretty common for these, these patients to, to have some sort of rejection, which is weird. Cause I always think like organ rejection, that's like, worst news you could possibly get for somebody who's <laughs> received an organ you know but uh anyway everything's looking good but that's kind of taken up a lot of my time recently so i'm very thankful and grateful that that's kind of behind us for the time being she's still on some meds and whatnot but um doing well so that's been taking up my time and now it is the american holiday of thanksgiving michael you guys don't celebrate thanksgiving how dare you yeah we basically don't celebrate a lot of anything do we it, no it'll, halloween it'll be nice no Thanksgiving. Yeah, you guys are just—we do just have terrible. Christmas. Just terrible. And Australia Day. Australia Day, right? So, what is that? Tell me what that is.
0: Uh, it's it's kind of divisive now because for a long time it was the celebration of the settlement of Australia, the landing of the first fleet, and all that sort of stuff. And that's kind of taken a darker turn in the last I don't know, I guess, ten years or so, when our Indigenous culture has sort of started. Um, looking more of it as an invasion day, and they don't—they don't want to celebrate Australia Day because it was the day that you know white man came to the country and slaughtered their families oh, and all gosh. that sort of stuff. So, one of one of our states has actually just announced that next year they're going to change the date of Australia Day so it doesn't coincide with the landing of the first fleet. Um, and there's obviously a lot of backlash from that. Oh, from yeah. the you know, from the privileged privileged white folks. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably just easier to move the date. It is what it is, right? Yeah, I no, it's. Pro- it's pro- I mean, it's probably easier just to move the date and make everybody happy. Uh,
1: yeah, that doesn't seem like too big of a deal.
0: Yeah. Obviously, if you move the date to make the indigenous folks happy, then you're going to upset all the, you know, the quote-unquote Aussies that like it's been like that for 200 years sort of thing so
1: yeah and plus you gotta you gotta go co- in, you gotta figure out like holiday schedules that's probably the bigger thing you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's like everybody kind of plans already around this one date. so if everybody switched at the same time that'd be fine but if you have like one state changing and then the rest of them not then you got families who are trying to get together on one day and it's a different day that might be a little bit yeah. messy but yeah
0: yeah so there's that and um, but other than that we don't really get excite- excitement
1: yeah <laughs> Oh, that's bummer, dude. We had, speaking of excitement, we had some excitement here this morning. Uh, We had all just kind of woken up and we're hanging out in the living room. There's like, my wife has four other siblings and all of the siblings are here with their kids at her parents' house. And so we're sitting in the living room and the lights go out. We're like, that's weird. Why? That's odd. Okay. So my father-in-law goes downstairs and flips the switch on the breaker and the lights come back and we're like, all right, that's weird. That's, that's Okay. So I see what I think to be like. Uh, it's a cold morning. I see out front out the front door what I think to be dryer vent steam coming out of the side of the house. no big deal. And within um, about a couple minutes, like somebody banging on the front door. I'm like, what is going on? So I open the front door, and this lady's like, "Your house is on fire." And I'm like, <laughs> what? So I look, and there the the light that's usually next to the door there was like a ball of flame. So it was like <laughs> melting the siding on the house. It was like fire. So everybody freaks out and all the kids run to the garage and my father-in-law goes and grabs this fire extinguisher and puts it out. The, all of the fire trucks from everywhere came. <laughs> I've got video of it. I'll have to put it up on Twitter. Ah, uh, the kids were pretty excited that the fire trucks came. That was cool, but thankfully, they, this lady stopped and yeah. told us because it could have caught the rest of the house. She, you know, we found out pretty quick. Yeah, it was a little bit scary though. So glad to be safe. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just as well there was someone walking around the streets early in the morning. I suppose.
1: Yeah. Oh, it never happens either. I mean, like, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So right. that was, uh, yeah, that was definitely uh, a blessing that somebody like was kind enough to stop and let us know that the house was going to, you know, was catching on fire. So. <laughs> yeah. That was uh that was my morning so so yeah well let's go ahead and uh get into things uh, the first thing i kind of wanted to mention here i don't know how quickly we're going to get this released but there are a couple of deals that are too good to not mention here um the first one is that there is a sale on spark so spark is Taylor Otwell's, um I, can, I kind of call it it's bootstrap for SAS, you know how like bootstrap is to CSS, like Twitter's bootstrap is to CSS, like this you know starter package for it. Um, that's what uh, Spark is for your SAS app. So it has all the features that you would need to kind of build the skeleton of your SAS app to allow you to get up and running really quickly. And normally it's, I think, $250 for the unlimited version and $99 for the single license, and everything's half off. So that's going on. And Michael, you had some, mentioned something about the integration tests for Spark as well.
0: Yeah, a couple of days ago, I think, Taylor had tweeted that he had open-sourced the integration tests. Um, so they're all up on GitHub now. So I guess if you ever wanted to see how someone else would write their tests for a... Not just someone else, I guess... Taylor Odwell is probably the person you want to see how they go about writing um, their tests. So uh, they're all up on on GitHub now. Uh, we'll throw a link in the show notes so you can have a look and see how Taylor goes about testing different parts of the framework.
1: And this is also this app is also written in Vue as well. So this might be a good um, starter for those of us who are kind of just new to Vue and. Uh, trying to figure out how we test that front end stuff as well. So that might be interesting to take a look at it. So even if you missed the deal on Spark, uh, you've got you've got that to look forward to. Kind of in the same vein as testing, uh, Adam Wathen has a course that he's been working on really hard for the last, I don't know, five, six months. He announced it at Laracon 2016 uh, US that's going to be called Test Driven Laravel. Michael, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Kind of what the project is he's building, and kind of what the goal of it is.
0: Yeah, so a lot of a lot of testing content that you find out on the internet is very, very like foo bar baz. It doesn't really have any real world use. Um, it sort of gives you a very rough outline of how things work, of what you might do, of what certain functions are. What Adam's done with test driven Laravel is he's basically building a comprehensive course that is. Step by step, from idea to finished product, uh, where he's building this this application called Ticket Beast, which is allowing event promoters to go out um, and create an event, to list tickets for it, to process payments for it, to sell the tickets, all of that straight away. Taking you through basically how you would test a real life application. So he he basically has some example videos up on his website for Test Driven Laravel and he's been releasing some as he goes along to his uh, to the mailing list for that so you can get in and get some early looks at it. I've I've been speaking with him a bit about it over the last month or so as he's been progressing through it and the quality of the content and basically looking at that and going this isn't that hard I should be doing it more often and it's, it's encouraging me now in my work projects and also my side projects to be more proactive about writing my tests first so it's comforting to know that the way that i was doing testing previous to watching any of these videos was the way that someone else was doing it and and that really it just came down to being too lazy so yeah it's good
1: and uh it's cool too because like you know from from idea all the way to completion it's cool to uh it's almost like you're pairing with him uh, on this stuff so you're uh, thinking about okay how would I do that specific thing and then Adam is saying all right here's how I would do it and here's how I would test it and uh, not only the easy things right like you said not foobar baz. like these are very cookie cutter examples but uh, all right I need to hit stripe how do I build a uh, test for that I need to generate a PDF how do I build a test for that all these messy real-life scenarios that are not often tested when you're looking at like a screencast or a quick tutorial, he covers all that stuff. So I think it's about 18 hours of video content, which is number one, it's ambitious that he's literally created an entire app in 18 hours. Yeah. So you get to see every single piece of it in 18 hours, it's done start to finish. So that's crazy in and of itself, but it's just a lot of really valuable content I've been able to see kind of like, he kind of has them like 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. I've been able to see the one dots and the two dots and it's really, really good stuff. So I've learned learned a ton just even in, in looking at what he's kind of pre-released to his newsletter people. Uh, so I think what he's doing is he's going to have almost like an early release on Tuesday. I don't want to spoil what he's going to call it, so I won't announce it for him. <laughs> but I think he's going to have a early release for those people who are really interested in getting uh, getting their hands on it. And he's giving a really pretty deep discount on it. Uh, so I would encourage you guys, if you didn't find any great Cyber Monday deals, hold out for uh, Adam's Tuesday deal and, and uh, you won't be disappointed, I promise. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Without, they, there's also a um, 50, 50% off on O'Reilly Books, which uh, Matt Stouffer, congratulations on publishing Laravel Up and Running. I know it seems like it's been a really, really long time coming, so uh, I know that's a huge kind of burden lifted uh, off him. And that's 50% off on Monday as well. So typically the ebook is $40. You can get it for 20 bucks. So uh, I've read a pre-release copy of it. And uh, again, really, really awesome book. And you can learn a lot even in just the first couple chapters. So 20 bucks, well worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Highly recommend the book.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. Michael, we had talked a little bit about a problem that I was kind of having this last week uh, with these huge upload sizes and I had talked to you a little bit about it and basically the issue that I was running into with Laravel and really with any any sort of PHP installation is that if you end up with a file upload that is too large so that is if your I think it's your post max size ini setting is smaller than the than the file size that's coming through what ends up happening is your entire request, all of the globals, that is the dollar sign underscore po- post, dollar sign underscore get, dollar sign underscore files, all of those pieces get wiped out of your request. And you had done some research, I think. And why, why did you say that was? I know that the, you said there was, that you looked into it, I think. Yeah, it's a it's a PHP
0: related thing, so it's not specific to Laravel. This is going to happen in whether you're using Symfony or Laravel or Cake or writing it yourself. And basically, what happens is that PHP will just go ahead and nuke um, the get super global um, anytime you do that. And I guess I didn't look too much further than that into it, but I, I suppose it's something to do with some dodgy dodgy characters into your post form and and cause it to break that way um, compromising your site or whatever. It's um it's definitely a PHP related thing, probably some obscure security issue.
1: Yeah, and so the problem it was causing is I would get this I would send this through this file that was too large and It was wiping out all of those those basically those variables coming through in that request, and what would happen is you would get the token mismatch exception because if you're using CSRF protection, which is enabled by default on all Laravel POST and PUT and PATCH routes, it would not find the token in your request, and so it throws a token mismatch exception. Looked through some issues and found out that in Laravel 5.0, there's actually a middleware called verify post size, and it does exactly what it says. It verifies that the post size that's coming through is not larger than what is set in your post max size in your php.ini file. So if you're doing a, a regular post, it verifies that post size, and it will throw a upload to large error before you get to the token mismatch exception. So that's good. The problem is that Laravel also uses method spoofing. So you have uh, some, these, this idea of rest. So and if you're going to send through a create, you would use a post verb. If you're going to send through an edit action, you'd use a patch verb. But the browsers do not su- support a patch Request by default. So what Laravel and some other frameworks do is they essentially send through a Little hidden field underscore method that will send through the method that you're wanting to use uh, Through the browser. So for example, let's say I'm I'm editing something and I send through my My form there is a little underscore method that is equal to patch on my request and what happens is the file size is too large. It wipes that out. And then what Laravel will do is as it's trying to parse the route, it doesn't find a matching route for that for that verb because it thinks it's a post because it doesn't get the, mm-hmm. the method spoofing. Does that make sense? It's, it's kind of a complex issue. So yeah. sorry if it's not making sense, but what ends up happening is you get a HTTP not found uh, or a method not allowed HTTP exception in Laravel. So essentially what I did this last week after chasing that down, which as difficult as it is to explain, I'm sure you can appreciate how hard it was to figure out that that's what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to make sure that nobody ever has to deal with that again. So I've got an issue out there hoping to fix it. And essentially what I'm going to have to do is on every request, you'll have to validate the post size before you even do any route matching. So that's sort of, uh, if it's not a get you're going to have to verify the post size. And if it's larger, then you just have to throw an exception before you do any route matching. So anyway, that was, that was the solution. It's not implemented yet, but hopefully it will be soon.
0: Yeah, it sounds, sounds like a bit of digging. My, I had an issue like that this week that wasn't quite as, um, as annoying, but I had somewhere in one of my application files, I had put in a rogue capital G and every time I ran my unit test, I would get the little dot that says the test passed, and then I would get a capital G. And I spent not two full days, but I spent about two days tracking this letter G down. Oh my gosh. So it was, it was just hanging out at the top of my
1: model factory. <laughs> That's horrible. That's literally the one of the most frustrating things. I had that with a data file that I was importing this week. I had to import a CSV, and there was a one of the, the fields ended in a backslash. So uh. it escaped that. And I'm talking like, we're not talking like, you know, 10 records here. We're talking like thousands of records here. So <laughs> yeah, I had to hunt that one down. That was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the other thing that I was working on uh, this last week, and actually for a couple of weeks, Michael, you and Matt Stauffer kind of worked together on this open source thing suggestive. Can you explain to... I know you've kind of given us an idea of what that is. Can you kind of give us a quick rundown of what it is, the elevator pitch?
0: Matt and I worked on Confomo, but Suggestive, I do know a little bit about. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) So Suggestive was um, an idea that I think Matt had for the, the Laravel official podcast, where they would be able to take, rather than trying to get ideas and questions from listeners via Twitter, it was a way for them to collect ideas from listeners that they could then have other listeners vote on and then you know make suggestions directly to those folks in order to have content for future episodes of of the Laravel podcast so it's basically just a to-do list I guess for for that to work and Jeffrey Way did shame Matt into finally finishing that between the last two two podcast episodes so it's good good that it's out there
1: <laughs> yeah I saw that he did launch it finally which was good. So uh, I was working on that a little bit, basically just because I wanted to see a full uh, view project, like with like, you know, almost like a, a single page app view project where he's using view router and using view components for all of the different pieces. So this was a little bit of a revelation to me. I didn't have any idea how this worked before, but essentially what view router is, is everything in your app, almost everything in your app sends to one specific Page, which is like you know slash whatever and then your view router picks up from there and it just is is, as just string matching almost exactly like what you know the Laravel router does is it just kind of matches on those strings and then what it does is is the view router will render a component so that's how it works so in Laravel you um, match a route it hits a controller you render a view in view router you match a route and it renders a component onto that page uh, so you could you know each component might be called something like user home page would be the name of the component and then that component has in itself uh, other components that it's using so you would have on that page you know suggest a topic component list all topics component or something like that and then all of those kind of are composed together to to create and render your view so that was interesting to me but the problem that we were having is that property syncing was turned on for these components so you can pass properties from your parent down to your child components and if you have property sync on or prop sync on what happens is anytime you change one of those properties in your child it syncs that data back up to the parent components and that is not view 2.0 friendly so i had to do some refactoring and in the case of or in the process of doing those refactorings i also wanted to use E six arrow functions to kind of clean things up and uh made some interesting discoverings and interesting mistakes and i spent this week kind of writing about that in a little blog post that i called originally i was thinking i was trying to be so clever michael it was but it was going to be a terrible title view s6 so like v u e s6 right view s6 that's that's genius, I thought, but it's just nobody would understand it. And it's genius, but it'd be hard to find. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. You're you're not doing anybody any favors by naming it Vue S6. Good luck remembering to t- how you know how to type that in, or if somebody's looking for how to use arrow functions and things like that yeah. with their view components, they'd they'd never find it. So uh, I renamed it, and I think I named it uh, how to. Uh, use ES6 arrow functions to clean up your view components or view modules or something like that yeah so anyway yeah this is one of those things did you I think I sent it to you to give it give it a read already yeah I had a read over it earlier this week you're one of my you're one of my editors yeah what'd you
0: think I thought it was pretty good um I mean because I was at the same way that you sort of mentioned at the top of that post more arrow functions are better um and so yeah I just put arrow functions everywhere because it it was shorter to write without, you know, understanding the implications of lexical this and all that that kind of stuff that you get along with um using those arrow functions. So now I've got a better understanding of when to use arrow functions and when to use sort of the shorthand syntax for writing um or for defining methods and things like that. So we're probably gonna throw that into our sort of base repo that we use for Laravel applications and, and that'll be a guideline for us going forward how to uh, work with Vue. So thank you for that. That saves me some writing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was going for too is, okay, when is it appropriate to use arrow functions? Because that's exactly what happened. I started using arrow functions, which if you haven't looked into those, essentially what they are is, and you know how in Laravel, if you are in PHP in general, if you're trying to use an anonymous function, you have to type function, paren, and then your function body. Well, imagine if you could just kind of take that function and drop it jack um jack fru would love that you know he's that's that's he talked about that not too long ago it's just these function you know this word function littering your entire code base all over the place so that's sort of what arrow functions are like in in es6 is you kind of get to drop that function and you just keep the parens and then you just do a little arrow operator and then your function body so i started using those throughout the code base and Matt Stauffer reviewed my pull request and said, well, well, you know, we probably need to make this consistent. If you're using them down here, you should probably use them at the top level too. So I started changing everything out and everything broke. <laughs> everything broke. The entire thing. It was a mess. And so I was talking to some guys and Andrew DelPretti, who was like my JavaScript guru go-to man, said, uh, you know, it might be the lexical this. I'm like, lexical this? What is? What are you talking about? And essentially what that means is that when you use an arrow function it doesn't have its own context for the, their, you know, their keyword this. It just inherits this from whatever the parent scope is. And I'm sure I'm saying that a little bit wrong, but when this is really handy is when you need to have access to your view component. Uh, so for instance, if you're doing a HTTP, if you're doing like an AJAX request out to get some information, And then when you return it, let's say you're going out to get a list of topics from an endpoint, an API endpoint, and when you return those topics, you want to set those as a data item in your view component. What you used to have to do is at the very top of your method, you'd have to say something like let VM equal this, so that holds the value of this in the variable VM, and then after you've done your HTTP, your Ajax call out and your callback function, then you'd have to say, okay, VM.topics equals the topics that were returned. Well now you can just say this topic, this dot topics equals topics. Um, so anyway, it's it's a little bit confusing to explain on air. Uh, give it a read though. It's it'll definitely kinda help you clean up your view modules. It looks a lot nicer and it's not it's not difficult to learn. It just takes somebody explaining it. So
0: yeah, well, you did a good job of explaining it. And um, it, I mean, it's pretty easy to pick up for somebody who has at least some rough understanding of JavaScript. The, the, the terminology can be a bit like it'll hit you initially if you're not really familiar with things like lexical this and, and all that. But yeah, it's certainly something like, with with most things JavaScript, like you learn it once and then once you start using it, you forget why you're using it, but you know when the right time sort of is. So it's nice to have the reference point. And with any luck, as back-end developers, we won't have to revisit this front-end stuff for another 10 years or so. so. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, that was a lot of fun to write. It's been a long time since I've had a chance to dive into JavaScript stuff. So that was a good experience for me. And it was fun writing that and learning some new things, especially with ES6. I feel like I'm so behind when it comes to JavaScript things. This kind of like was able to be like, okay, I'm not... I'm not super far behind, not to the point where I can't catch up a, le- a little bit at least. So I did a lot of reading and learned a ton about ES6 stuff and it's it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. I can see why there's a lot of people kind of jumping back to JavaScript, not jumping back to JavaScript, but getting really excited about it these yeah. days. There's a lot of cool stuff well, going on.
0: Wes Boss has got his ES6 course as well, I think on sale until Monday, but that's on sale yep. for like 50% off, which is great for the amount of content that is in there.
1: Yeah, Jeffrey Way has the ES six uh, course as well, which I I really want to watch, but I haven't had a chance to yet. So I need to get on that. Well, honestly, man, today's episode might have to be a little bit short. I've got uh, screaming kids right outside the door here, waiting for me to come out and throw a football with them. <laughs> they went and played. Uncle Jake went and played football in the backyard with all the kids yesterday, and they've been begging me to do so ever <laughs> since. So it's time to play some rug rat football in the backyard. Freezing cold Ohio. Uh, yeah
0: don't take it too easy on them
1: yeah no i'm gonna tackle them yeah tackle them all break some bones <laughs> make them feel the pain so Excellent. all right man well hey it's been really good catching up at least yeah and i'm sure hopefully we'll get back to a normal schedule here now that things have settled down a little bit in the bennett household hopefully good good to hear everything's back on track though thanks man i appreciate that yeah and you guys are going to get a car today hopefully yeah we're gonna, we're gonna go for a test drive um i've got my whole game
0: plan so this it all basically hinges on whether or not my wife says anything so <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man so you guys haven't have you have you told her that you're actually wanting to buy a oh car, yeah we know or yeah, you yeah, just yeah. kind of like oh we're just gonna go yeah okay okay yeah so we um i don't know if you were like going into like let's just go test drive a car honey yeah yeah we're
0: future planning a little bit her her car that she drives to work every day we took in for a service and it's sort of on the approach to 200,000 kilometers and it's going to need its timing belt changed. And there's a few other bits and pieces that I said, look, we're going to need a bigger car anyway. Let's let's just go and sort that out now. And that way we won't have to worry about it later. We're not going to have to worry about spending too much money on, on the car that we've got now. Um, right, right. So it's probably a bit of an extreme jump in you know spending a few thousand dollars on fixing the car we have and spending tens of thousands on a new one but while we can and you know before we have a a real need for it we'll go and do that and i'm pretty excited
1: yeah oh absolutely buying a new car is always like a fun fun adventure very different over here because
0: like a lot of i just listening to ian landsman and when he spoke about buying his truck you folks over there basically just lease everything right you don't really buy cars
1: well, it just depends on the person, I think. Yeah, okay. um, I I I always buy used cars. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I um, New cars are so expensive and they lose so much value as soon as you drive off the lot. If you're getting a new car, it's today, good for you. Yeah. By new car, for me, that means I am buying a car that is new to me. Yeah. But I, I've only ever bought used vehicles. And, you know, honestly, I'm okay with that. By the time they – when they're coming off the lot at the uh, – at the used car place. I mean, depending, you know, making sure you get to an actual a decent place. They might as well be new. They clean yeah. them so well and everything's so good. And you know, we got ours with like man, we got ours with like maybe 40,000 miles on it, the van that we sure. have right now, and it's super great and we got it for a crazy awesome deal. Yeah. You know, $20,000 off of what it would have cost new. Well, even
0: with a new car, the amount of time it takes to get here from from like Asia by the time by the time you get a new car it's sort of 6 months old anyway so
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's good logic. Uh I will say this. Next episode we need to talk about my car Minty. Okay. That is the name of my car. That is my daily driver and I have got some stories for you my friend. In fact, at the place that I that I work um on Fridays, the nonprofit I work at, Yeah. my car is a running joke. <laughs> uh it is it is um Anyway, you'll understand when we talk about it next All episode. Right, I look but forward to it. Let's talk about Minty. Let's put that on the list. All right, sounds good, man. All no right. All right, buddy. Well, good talking to you. We'll talk sometime soon. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Happy Almost Australia Day, whenever that is to you. <laughs> no worries. And just before we do go and forget,
0: uh show notes for this episode will be available at northmeetsouth.audio forward slash 15. We are on Twitter at North Audio. And as always... If you could like and rate us five stars in your podcatcher of choice, that really helps us get in front of more uh, people um, and helps uh, to get
1: some new listeners. All right, man. Take it easy. Yeah, bye. Bye.